0: Welcome to In the Woods. I'm James Woods, aka William Moore, the author of Sparrows Valley and the Twisted Fairy Fairytale series and co-founder of Mojave. If you need to get out of your own way and learn how to traverse the not-so-happy path in your career, I want to help you dig through the weeds and get to the roots of what may be holding you back from growing and succeeding in your industry. The mindset when you have to overcome when things don't go your way. So join me, In the Woods. Hello, welcome to In the Woods. I'm James Woods, aka, you know, most people know me as William Moore, the author of the Sparrows Valley and Twisted Fairy Tales series and co-founder of Majavi. If you need to get out of your own way and learn how to traverse the not-so-happy path in your career, join me in the woods. So today I have a very special guest, a longtime friend, uh, Jermaine Clark. Uh, funny story how we kind of met back in the day with a company called Empire Arcadia. Uh, you were actually third in command over at Empire Acadia yes. uh, through you know for the next decade or so. Mm-hmm. And even today, it's funny, most people don't even know about Empire Acadia, but they're literally in a Guinness Book of World records for like the most tournament wins. That's they right. created more Nash you guys have created more national and world champions, especially in a fighting game, but I know it's they're de- very diverse than most people could even imagine. Uh, you're also you know a longtime gamer i know you were a qa tester over at microsoft game developments um uh, i know you say semi pro photographer but i you know i i i'll get rid of that semi you've been doing this for what <laughs> right, over a decade I, now.
1: over a decade
0: <laughs> yes i i've seen you i've seen your work you've done a lot of different uh events and uh also i mean you're going into the uh the writing world uh you're actually the way that i met um Guest from my first show, Alfredo Cardona. Yes, because you you were actually working with him in an artist, and I was asking our mutual friend Sebastian, "Do you know right. somebody who you know can can do my work?" He was like, "You you need to speak to my to, to Jermaine." I'm like, "Oh, you know, I know Jermaine from back in the day, right?" So uh, you connect you y'all connected me to Alfredo, and so I know you're working on project Azakar which we'll definitely get into uh, a little mm-hmm. bit later. Also, you're working on the novel. Uh, You're working on indie game and it's it's a bunch of different mediums that I know you're working on. So in this entire realm that you've been in, you've gone from the creative phase, the professional international gaming world. And now you're going into the creative uh, anime, uh, the the, the comic world. Where were your beginnings? Like, how did you begin to embark on this? You know, when you get out of high school, nobody has a clue what they really want to do. So how did you say, you know what, let me start this off by getting into this gaming world. Uh, How did I get into photography? Did you kind of wing it? You were just going with the flow or how did you how did you go that way?
1: All right. So uh, to start, like it it all began when I was like two years old uh, with me and Uh, my gaming passion. Uh, The first game that I've ever played was Vanguard for the Atari 5200. And that got me started uh, with space shooters and like uh, getting the Nintendo, uh, the NES and starting off with uh, Super Mario Brothers and Mega Man and things like that. So uh, I, I, I get my gaming skills from my mother, actually. She's the one that like, nurtured me into uh you know learning about gaming and everything like that and every time when i got a chance to get onto a game and <laughs> i just beat it and i'd be like okay well can i beat it without getting hit and i beat it without losing a life or things like that and uh you know much like working out uh practice makes perfect as they say and i kept on going about it and then um as i got into my teenage years. Uh, I go into arcades i I get my lumps here and there, I get my wins, I get my losses i uh I ran into an individual named Steve Lugo. I don't know if you remember Steve Lugo uh he's into like wrestling and things like that, but he okay. saw he saw me in the arcades, and he was like, "You know you're really good, you know how to play, you know you know how to hold your own. I want to introduce you to somebody and i'm I'm like 13, fourteen around there." And I just follow this guy. And uh, it's kind of weird because like he wanted me to chase him. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? You know, chase you. And he started running. I'm like, you, you got to be kidding me. This dude really wants me to chase him. All right, fine. So I start running. I'm chasing this guy. OK, I'm winded. I'm like, where the hell are you taking me? And uh, he takes me over to meet Triforce Game Master. You know, he took me directly to ah, his home and uh, Empire Acadia. Yeah. And but that's the thing, like Empire Acadia was in the process of being formed, but it wasn't it wasn't entirely there yet. But uh, we definitely had like some of the world's greats and everything like that. So Lugo goes up to Triforce and he's like, this guy right here, this guy right here has something. And, uh, you know, you got to go through the test, you get your lumps and you're fighting other world's greats and everything like that. And I hold my own. And uh, Triforce starts telling me about his idea. And he's like, he wants me to help him to make the world's greats and put ourselves on the map. And I agree. I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. And like that was really like the start of everything, you know. Um, From there, we started traveling uh, up and down the East Coast of the United States. Then we started traveling uh, to the Midwest and then all the way to the West. And uh, we just started winning tournaments. We started connecting with other world greats or, or potential world greats. Uh, that's how we met with Sanford Kelly. That's how we met with Justin Wong. That's how we met with Executioner, um, uh, Chris Matrix, IFC Yipes. Yipes uh, yep, Yipes. Yipes. Um, Ricky Ortiz and uh, Team Spooky with Arturo Sanchez and. You you name it, like you know, we was we was making it all happen. Um, there was a little bit of a conflict, uh, like a like a territory war in terms of who were the best gamers between the United States and Japan. And uh, you know, Japan kicked our ass here and there, and we got some wins and everything like that. It was a roller coaster, but yeah, I mean, we we held our own. Um, that's how that's how uh, I got uh, kind kind of. Known in Empire Acadia. I was always like a a number two or a number three type of guy that's always in the background. And uh, maintains all of the the documents and the the winnings and the losses. I uh, helped to establish the Empire Acadia website. Um, A lot of legacy stuff right now, but, you know, it it, it shows the origins in terms of where I came from. Uh, Let's see. Writing... Writing is kind of weird because, like, I've always been able to write. Uh, when I was going to school, I went to school in the, um, Chelsea High School. I, I did some college courses in uh, Columbia, Columbia University. Um, and writing was always, like, a passion, but I didn't really pursue it yet. But it was it was in the works. I just didn't realize it yet. But the uh, the next thing that I had going for me was my photography. And... My father, he's a uh, professional photographer, and then he retired. I've uh, acquired some of his equipment, and I started purchasing for my own. And uh, in 2010, I went completely on my own, and I started doing photography, uh, started charging clients and you know, making some money here and there. I met a lot of individuals. I met uh, world photographer, Lindsay Adler, uh, for example, and it was, it was a great experience, Um, and then in, I'm going to say, 2015, uh, even though I was doing photography and I was doing, uh, the gaming scene thing, I said, you know what? I want to start pursuing my writing and I want to start making things happen. And, uh, I, I, I actually almost got killed, uh, in the process, but once I was almost killed, I was like, all right, you know what? I need to do this, I need to make this happen. And uh, that's when I started formulating Project Azucar. And uh, yeah, like here we are, It's it's was, been crazy.
0: So what were uh, kind of some of the, the turning points? Uh, I know you said your father was a professional photographer. Was that kind of what guided you towards it and seeing him doing it? Or was it something you just was like, I'm not really, I really don't want to go his route. But I do find some enjoyment in it. Uh, how did you kind of that? that's a big change just from my perspective. Right. To go from from world champion organization and gaming to, you know, pro, semi pro photographer. Wh- right. Where was that flip?
1: Oh, um, It was, it was always like, I always wanted to achieve more and, and try different things and meet like different people and, and try to, uh, travel the world. If I could, I didn't not yet, but, uh, you know, that's always been a passion. So I always said to myself, I can't not necessarily, I can't remain where I am right now. Uh, nothing personal to anybody, but you know, it's just something that something different that I wanted to try. Um, My father, you know, being a professional photographer, I was always inspired by my father. And uh, he basically told me, he was like, you know, my dream isn't your dream. Because my father, he was also like into race car driving and things like that, like NASCAR and whatnot. Excellent driver. Like this guy, he he scares me with how good his driving skills are. Um, And that's what he really wanted to get into when he pursued that. The, the family, uh, they knew that my father was a photographer, and then I picked up his reins and I started uh, doing the photography that he was doing, and I said to myself, you know, right now what he's doing is portraiture. Maybe I can get into other uh, venues of photography like fashion and fine art and beauty, uh, things like that, and um, And like I said, like, that's when I started meeting, like, world great photographers. Um, I was featured in Waldorf Astoria Fashion Week, Nolcha Fashion Week, and things like that. Um, I was able to meet uh, famous photographer Melissa Rodwell. And um, I didn't get a chance to meet anyone, like, famous, like, world-world, world-famous, like Tyra Banks. Not just yet, but, uh, you know, I'm definitely on my way. Um, That's
0: one thing. That's one thing that um, I, I found to be um, very true, and a, a lot of people ask me, it's like Jane, uh, Will, how do you know so many people? How have you met, you know, all these celebrities and all these CEOs and all these different people from all these different worlds?" And I tell them, "You're never going to find those people sitting in your house. You, they're never going to cross your path. You have to go out there and actually cross their path." So. You were saying you you've been uh, documented in, you know, different publications. You've met all these world class photographers. Yes. How did you what steps did you take to find those people or to to even uh, be a consideration to get your work in those major publications? What were those steps that you were taking? I know they didn't call you. So you had to do something to, to kind of open those doors.
1: Right. So um, it started back in around 2011. I met a wonderful individual named Jennifer Strong. She treats me like her son. I absolutely love her. She's the daughter of uh, famous uh, jazz musician Clifford Jordan. So she was connected with all of those like inner circles and things like that. She saw my work and she was like, Jermaine, I want you to come with me. I was like, where, where are we going? And uh, she was like, just come with me. I want, I want to take you somewhere. So I was like, okay. She was like, bring your camera, bring your equipment. So <laughs> I was like, okay. So she took me to this um, this underground, like fashion week type of thing. And I'm like, where the hell am I? Like the ceilings are low and it's grungy down here and everything like that. And um, they had some women and some men who were uh, doing like a makeshift runway. And the photography there is extremely aggressive. Like people are like elbowing you and everything like that. And they're trying to, you know, get the shot. So I I was like, if I don't get this, if I don't like get aggressive, I'm, I'm not going to make the shot. So. I, I took a step back for a minute and I'm, I'm looking at everything. I'm looking at the landscape. I'm looking at photographers. I'm looking at the models. I'm looking at their lighting. And I see one model coming out and, and something about her. I couldn't really put my finger on it, but her, her attire was just immaculate. So I took my camera. I kid you not when I did this. I took my camera. I pointed it at her. I had my lighting just right. I took one picture and I said, okay, I'm done. That's it. I can, I can go home now. So the other photographers, they was like, you know, you got you to gotta do more than that. I was like, no, I don't. That's it. I'm confident. That's the shot. Sure enough, I submitted that shot to the, uh, the uh, venue organizers and things like that. And they was like, yeah, that's a shot that we love. We absolutely love that. And um, from there, like I started getting other people calling me. They was like, you know, what's your name? What's your business card? Put it into the, uh, into the jar and we'll contact you. And sure enough, they contacted me. It was like, hey, you want to try this other uh, Fashion Week event? And I was like, sure, you know, I'll give it a shot. And um, I ended up getting getting the shot that they wanted from there. And then more people continued to call me. And that's literally, like, how I got to the point where I am now. Um, unfortunately, you know, as, as I'm pretty sure everybody on your, on your uh, show has said, the – Pandemic hit, and everything had to be put on pause. And uh, nice. that's what happened with uh, with the photography. And I was like, okay, you know what? If the photography is on pause, which means also the gaming, you know, traveling and things like that, it's temporarily on pause, then I can go with my writing. I can start making my project. And
0: that's what I've been doing for a while now. Um. I found that a lot of people that I've actually spoken to have definitely said they need to. Um, everyone has had to pivot. I've I've definitely found um, some people. For instance, I spoke to a friend on last episode, Chesney. He had to pivot from, you know, doing live shows to virtual teachings. Um, Alfredo, uh, he was working on Sony Pictures, uh, and that picture that show kind of got postponed. So then he started doing more of the uh, freelance work where he's working with you and he's working with myself. Um, one thing that I'm definitely finding it seems to be a common thread between everyone I'm speaking to is every one of them. You can't deny the work ethic. It's there. But every one yes. of them, one of, every person I've spoken to has had the most random, random opportunity. Alfredo, some guy called him. It was like, I need you to come here. He was like, I'm not even in your like city. He had to get on a plane to hurry up to get there to get on Sony Pictures. Uh, Chesney Snow, someone randomly pulled him on the shoulder and was like, KRS-One wants you on stage with him right now. Wow. Uh, you're okay. telling me your mentor, uh, you you have Steve, Logo, Steve, Steve Lugo, Lugo. telling you, yes. cha- Steve is like, chase me. Mm-hmm. And then your other mentor is like, come with me. I'm about to take you into this uh, sketchy underground show. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, yep. Am I, am I safe here? Yeah, exactly. But every one of them had everyone has had an opportunity where not everyone is going to do it. Some people will say, I don't know you, bro. I'm 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 not doing it. And some people will say, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? I'll have to fight for my life, but I'm doing that anyway to try to pursue what I want to do anyway. Right. So has that kind of been a, a staple part of everything that you've done, these random opportunities? Uh, were some of them more um, you had to take the initial step yourself? Um, so there were a couple they, of opportunities and doors that opened up for you. But were there some of them where it's like I took the initiative and I did something that was out of my comfort zone so I could move myself forward?
1: Well, um, definitely the uh, the gaming it was it was like second nature for me, but the the writing was where I was stepping out of my comfort zone because it was like okay, I'm I'm going to be judged and like by other people who are way higher, you know, in the pecking order than what I am, and I tell them, listen, you know, I ain't trying to come for anybody's neck. You know, this is what I'm trying to write, and and things like that. Um, I I did have I did have one incident uh, in photography which like really grinded my gears. Um, there was a photographer, uh, you know, way better than me and everything like that, and I wanted to work with him. And uh, he he started giving me like reasons why he didn't want to work with me, but he was being like very vague. And I, I said to him, well, what are you what are you trying to say? And he says to me, I kid you not, he says this. Quote, Jermaine, let me put it to you like this. If I was sick and I needed someone to fill in for me, I wouldn't call you, end quote. And I was like, damn. <laughs> and, and like the way he said it, I, I, I took it personal. You know, I took it real personal. And he was like, oh, come on, don't take it personal. I was like. I'm going to take that personal. But this is a good thing because this is the fire that I needed. You know, like, okay, you, you want me to get to, you know, some type of level. I don't know what that level is, but you got it. All right. And, and from then on, like, I just started studying. I, I, got, I got myself a bottle of Sovereign Comfort and I locked myself in my room. And I just started watching, like, videos Videos upon videos upon videos, and techniques, and, and theory, and practice, and lighting, science, and magic. And then I bought myself a, a, a mannequin head. Um, this one, hold on. This one right here, as a matter of fact, right? Bought myself a, a mannequin head, and... I just started practicing, practicing with my lighting, practicing with my techniques, practicing with trying to understand um, why light falls the way that it does. And uh, it got to the point I wasn't even thinking about what the gentleman said anymore. I was just out there doing my own thing and people started contacting me and it started turning into uh, client-based work and like the rest was history with that. Um, in, in regards to my writing, uh, the, the, the pivoting point for me was I got into an argument with someone on Facebook and, uh, it was, it was the whole argument in regards to, uh, black characters and stories and and things like that. And I was trying to bring up the point about how we need to stop. Using these uh these black stereotypical tropes and you know try to do something a little more unique. This woman said to me, Jermaine, you wouldn't know what a black person looked like if they born you. So I was <laughs> like, wow. Really? Like you wanna go there? Okay. <gasps> Watch this. (laughs) And um, that's when I started with Project Azucar. And uh, I I, I really certified it when I was uh, on the bus uh, coming back from North Carolina, uh, going to New York. And I was on uh, one of the Chinese service buses, which I heard is very dangerous. And and I, I understand why now. Um, I'm sitting on the bus and I'm like, okay, you know, how am I going to put this together? And, uh, like, I don't know where to begin, even though I knew how to write, I didn't know where to start. So, um, I was on the bus and, uh, I pretty much, I, I was just like in the fog, in the blank. I didn't know exactly, uh, what I was, uh, going to do in regards to the project. I knew I wanted to make it, but I didn't know where to begin And and while I'm on the bus, the the bus is probably doing like about 100 easy on the Virginia straightaway. Like it's like it's it's I think it's like the I-95 or something like that. And it's just a long straightaway, like about an hour of just straight and darkness and trees and highway like nothing else. In the middle of the night, I'd say like about one, two in the morning. And uh, that's also around the time when like the trucks and the convoys like they come out and they deliver their their goods and things like that. This bus, like, skims along a truck that's also going like a hundred, and you know I'm I'm resting on the window. So when that happened, like the window cracked and like the whole left side of the bus shook, and uh, it, it was it was a very scary time. Like some people were were thrown out of their seat, like from the left going to the right. My, my entire left side of my body, like, turned black from, from, like, the whiplash, I guess. You know, people asking, you know, is everyone okay? They're asking me, am I all right? And things like that. And all I could think about was, okay, I got to be quick about this. I got to be quick about making this this story, this franchise, things like that. So, it was, it was like a sense of urgency. Like, if I don't do this, I'm going to die. <laughs> like, that sort of thing. And, um, That's what that's what led me here. You know, Uh,
0: one thing I do see uh, with people who are deciding to pursue uh, a certain fee, a certain field is it's not so much finding the what, but the why that motivating factor. Uh, I was actually watching a couple interviews. I I love watching uh, people's documentaries and Michael Jordan didn't say it himself, but people said it about him that sometimes he literally would find reasons to be upset with something with someone something that they were like wait I, I never did that and he would use that as a motivating factor to literally go off of 40 50 60 points against a certain team right uh, for you it was uh, someone someone telling you uh, if uh, you know if, if I couldn't work and I needed to contact somebody it wouldn't be you mm-hmm. uh, I've had situations where people have uh, you know, done certain things in business, I found the the, the best revenge. I, I, I don't even want to say revenge. The, the, the best feeling isn't trying to get back at someone. It's proving them wrong mm-hmm. by seceding. Yeah. <laughs> so and so interceding. I don't have to say anything to you. I just know in the back of my head that you will see my work and in your head you'll say to yourself, oh man, I was wrong. That that's one of been one of my main ways mm-hmm. that I've achieved in a lot of different areas. Like you writing for me was a, a passion and it wasn't the cool thing when I was younger. So right, I was winning right. all these city <laughs> I was writing all I was winning all these city uh statewide competitions a national competition for my writing and no one ever knew that I wrote. Mm -hmm. Example, my my senior year of high school, uh, I wrote this essay and I won the competition. And when I won, I graduated, it was like May 14th, May 20th, somewhere in that area. And I started class June 6th, literally like a week or two later. Okay. So I won the competition. No one knew that I did it. And I literally... Asked my friend to go on the local news to perform the poem that I wrote. So I I totally understand uh, another perspective is there were certain things that you wanted to do, but it wasn't the cool thing. Mm
1: -hmm. And even when
0: you decided to do that thing that wasn't cool, I also needed that one instance or that, that one scenario or that one person to be like, you know what? This is a do or die life situation. I have to do this or I may never have that opportunity I might have that regret. For you, it was someone crash, you know, crashing into your bus and it's mm-hmm. like, man, if I don't get this out now, I may never get this done. Yep. Uh, so after you kind of got off the bus and you decide, you know what, I really have to go full force on this, was there a process uh, that, that you um, created for yourself? And moving forward with that, or were you just, you just pulled up a notebook and wrote it and just kind of went with it? Do you have a process or a mentality, a thought process in creating your show?
1: Well, I started with, um, like, looking at things that worked and, and saying to myself, okay, what were some of the qualities, you know, why these shows are successful, I was uh, for Project Azukar was I was very big on Xena Warrior Princess. And and I knew for certain I was like, okay, I definitely want my character to be a female, and I want her to be a badass woman that like takes no flack from anybody. And um you know, like what, what was it that that made it so great in regards to Xena and regards to um she and Alien and, you know, with uh, Sigourney Weaver's character and, and other female characters. And I realized that it's not necessarily all of the action-packed and the strength and stuff like that. But the rare times when they're able to sit down and just be themselves and, and like, show a contrast in, in regards to the character that they are. So one minute uh, for Xena, you have it where she's having, like, a talk and a joke and a drink with a friend. Uh, like Gabrielle, her friend, and then the next minute, you know, she's screaming at the top of her lung, and she's throwing that that circular disc thing that she has, and she's just killing people left and right. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like this is this is a dynamic contrast, and and I like it very much. So I was like, okay, I want my character to have that. Then I said to myself, okay, this is great, but I need I need more conflict. You know, like there has to be something like a purpose. Like what what makes this character want to get up out of bed? And do what they do. And um, like that's when I started to create more characters. Different characters. Some of them uh, based on character alignment and things like that. And um, I, I put in, okay, what if there's a character that has to be rescued? But this character is more powerful than she is. And if this character ends up being corrupted, then they would end up like ruling the world. That sort of thing. And uh, I I started including like a lot of uh, fantasy elements from it. I started including um, like a lot of action. And then I was happy with that initially. But then I wanted more. I was like, there there has to be more. Now I got to start looking at stuff like from J.R.R. Tolkien and, um, you know, uh, George R.R. Martin and um, Gene Roddenberry and... You know, all all of those, all of those like novelists and things like that. And I noticed it wasn't just the characters that they were creating. They were creating worlds. So I was like, damn, all right, well, having this character isn't enough. Now I have to put them in an environment. So then that's when I started like studying up on environments and, and social behaviors and things like that and how one house in one region looks completely different from another house in another region. And these little qualities that define who people are and, and how they have different attitudes and different perspectives. It doesn't have to be completely written out. It'd be great if you could, but if you don't have enough time just having like their visual cues be different from others. um, That definitely helps. So I, I started like including all of those elements and um, basically, like the 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 rest is history, as they say. Like it just started uh, morphing into a life on its own. Like it, it it didn't really take me much to to think about. All right, what's the next thing that has to be added? Like from there, things I would I wouldn't say the the project told me like what to add, but. You, you start to fill in the blanks as you see them because, like, more elements that you're adding to it starting to get filled in. And you're like, oh, okay, there's something that I noticed but I didn't really do anything about. Let's add something there. So um, I started including uh, different countries and continents and, you know, started including gods and things like that for this
0: project. and uh, I'm glad you kind of – I'm very glad that you brought that up because – a lot of people ask me for the book that i wrote spirals valley you know and also a twisted fairy tale series it's the same thing i wanted to create a world and people i had a they asked me how long did it take to write my book and i said technically writing the book only took me a month and a half if you condense right. the days on what i actually wrote but the research mm-hmm. and the time frames the kings the queens the locations the 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 scenery, uh, the, the different personality types—the same thing. Some of them were people that I've worked with. Some of them were stories I've read. I'm an avid anime watcher and manga, manga reader. Mm-hmm. Like I literally probably read, no jokes aside, 15 to 20 episodes of manga seven days a week. Like it's bad.
1: Not so I, I, I
0: totally understand. <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> There's so many of these elements and reference points that you need to create a believable story and to fill in those gaps. So I I definitely want people to, to, to realize if you're going into the creative field, rather be music, rather be photography, rather be gaming, rather be writing, a lot of the end product that you create is going to be based on the initial research that you do. So you have a knowledge base of reference points to to pull from when you're creating whatever art that you're actually creating, correct. So, so is are there any uh, specific resources that you've used? I know you brought up all of these uh, different novel all of these uh, different novelists, uh, but there. I know you said you you kind of went through videos. I know you're probably reading articles. Were there any specific resources, or is it something you just kind of go on Google and? you research whatever you need at the moment, or do you have your go-tos? So, uh,
1: good thing that you mentioned anime, because one of the animes that I used that became a staple for me, um, was called, well, it is called Spice and Wolf. And initially a lot of people say, well, it's about a man and a woman who are basically caught up in their own confused love triangle relationship type of thing. And to a degree, yes, that's true. But that's not what I was looking at. Like, that's not what captivated me. What captivated me was the currency system that they had in place. And the currency system that they had in place of that anime, that could be an anime all into itself. Because um, depending on, like, certain kingdoms, whether they were defeated by one country or, or they conquered another country, they would mint out different gold coins or different silver, different uh, copper coins. And the copper had... the the copper, the silver, the gold, they had different value based on, uh, depending on who was minted on that coin. So that unto itself, like the way they broke that system down, I was like, damn, like there's a lot of complexity to this, but it's a good complexity that keeps me glued to my seat wanting to learn more, you know? So, uh, you'll have one person that has like some silver coins from a defeated country and they got to bring a lot more of that coin to equal, like, a little bit of the coin, uh, silver coins from the country that conquered them, and you know, it was, it was uh, it was like a lot of, uh, like brokerage firms, and it, it, it's really complex. I, I can't really like describe it, you gotta look it up. Like I said, it's called Spice and Wolf, and um, basically, the way the stock market is right now, if you can go back into medieval times and you could look up, uh, like how things were back in the day, and you take the stock market and you you just you you set it right into there. That's basically what Spice and Wolf was like. It's it's amazing. Like I would definitely recommend that. Um other than that, like my go-tos honestly were 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 based off of uh based off of the way that I just view things. Uh as you know I can I can be a rather um aggressive person (laughs) when it comes to certain things. And, um, I, I, the way that I lived my life, unfortunately, I was surrounded by a lot of people that felt that I wouldn't make it, that I couldn't do it. I had a lot of doubters and it was, it was very unfortunate because most of those doubters came from within my own circle. You know, some, some of them within my own family, sometimes the people right next to me. And, um, They would they would do things in secret that I wouldn't know about. And when I was ready to, like, make things happen, I feel confident they would, like, pull the rug right from underneath me. And, you know, sometimes I got to start all the way from the beginning. And uh, that at times brought up a lot of fear, uncertainty and doubt within my own heart. And then I said to myself, you know what? After that bus accident. Anyone who gets in my way, I'm just going to have to kick the door in and, and say, I'm here. I, I don't care what you think, you know. Um, it's, it's been mostly like my emotions. And a lot of people, they would say, well, you know, if you, if you go wild on your emotions, then you're weak. And that could be argued. But what I decided to do was once I started like seeing myself getting into an emotional state, I've always sought to control it. So I say to myself, okay, I'm feeling this way. Is there is there a way that I can be- best describe what I'm feeling? And I worked with that. And uh, I, I, I maintain my dignity through everything. E, you know, from interacting with people who doubted me to interacting with people who became my opponent, you know? And um, going about it that way, it's it's hard to describe but i've i've grown like a a a sixth sense in regards to my emotions and and how people approach me and what they're saying and and how i apply my intuition when viewing things and in in a in a in 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 an odd way i've haven't been wrong that much as crazy as that sounds
0: through all your experiences um Is there any advice that you would kind of give someone who wanted to pursue, you know, some of the careers that you've um, that you've pursued over the time Uh, from the gaming to the photography to the writing now? Is there any anything that comes off the top of your mind that you would you would want to say, you know what, if I had to do this again, I would kind of recommend do this to save yourself a lot of heartache, pain and time and effort. Mm hmm. Um,
1: some people may not agree with this, but I've always felt embrace everything that happens. Uh, even, you know, like, uh, even your own doubt and things like that, embrace it to the point where it's like, this is just a step in the process. Don't, don't let it hang on to you permanently. You know, tell yourself that this is something temporarily and, O- always strive for the goal and 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 one thing what i mean in regards to temporarily you know not making it permanent you you may put yourself down you you may say okay well i don't know if i can do this i don't know if i got what it takes you're it's okay you're going to have moments like that just understand you don't want to remain there for long because if you remain there for long then y- you're your, your subconscious starts to believe it. And then that's when you start, like, getting into the depression and, and you start having, like, gaps that's so hard for you to get out of and, and you don't know what to do. Y- you know, you, you want to do your best to try to avoid um, being in situations like that for as, as much as you possibly can. The, the only person that you really need to challenge and judge is yourself. And, and always be ready to like wake up the next day and put everything on the line to make yourself better. And, and ultimately, don't stop. You, you may write one sentence, you may write one page or, or, or whatever, you may learn an ability in a game, you may master a character keep going. What you're going to find is you're going to be so busy, like progressing when you finally do stop to take like a break or something like that. You're going to turn around. You're going to be like, holy crap. Look at all the stuff that I've done. You know, look at, look at how far I've come. Other people may not see it and that's okay. It's, it's all based on what you see. It's all based on your progression. And I promise you, you're going to be much further than where you initially started celebrate that because those are the little milestones and and the checkpoints that you need to push yourself forward. There's nothing wrong with taking those little checkpoints and writing them down and saying, okay, I did this, this, and this, this, and this, this, and this. Now I want to get here. And now because you've documented all of that, you know where you are. So you're here and you want to get here. So all you got to do after that is just uh, create like a line and go from that point.
0: Now, there, there are a lot of people that kind of help you along the way that gave you different opportunities. There's a difference between people who open doors and people who were truly influential to you. Were there a couple people in your life that you would say were. I know you spoke about your father for photography. I know there was the, the one lady at camera. It's her name's escaping me. Uh, that helps you uh, in regards to your photography? Oh, Jennifer Strong, true- yes. Jennifer Strong. Uh, were there people who were truly influential to you? It may be someone that you know of, or it may be someone that you're personally connected to as a mentor. Are there certain people that you would say, I have to give a part of my success to how they've had a, a very integral part into to, to my life and who I am?
1: Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, one of those people is my nephew. Um, when I was going to, uh, North Carolina before that, uh, that, that fateful bus ride happened, um, I wanted to take a break from gaming. I felt a little burnt out. I contacted my mother and she was like, you know, Jermaine, come stay with me for a little bit and, uh, we'll help you to get back on your feet. So when I, when I got here, um, my nephew, like he 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 I I, I don't want to speak for him, but he like absolutely adores me. Like, you know, he he can't get enough of me when I'm around and everything like that. And he's like, you know, Uncle Jermaine, you know, I I I want you to play the games. I want you to play Nintendo Wii with me and and we'll play some Dragon Ball and things like that. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I don't wanna do that. <laughs> I don't wanna do that. I just wanna rest. And he's like, come on, come on, come on, you're gonna love it. I, I promise you're gonna enjoy it. It, it took him to the point where he had to literally put the controller in my hand and I'm watching him and, you know, he's beating me and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stop attacking you. You know, I'm, I'm going to keep on beating you. you. You need to do something. So I was like, ah, oh, all right, fine. I'll do something. So, um, you know, I started pressing some buttons and things like that. And, you know, I, I, I guess through, through me pressing the buttons and his energy, like it was so infectious. Like he was so enthusiastic of me playing with him. So I started playing on the Wii and I didn't know what I was doing. He was like, oh, you gotta you gotta press this button motion and, and this sequence, and that's how you're able to do all of these moves. And I'm remembering what he's telling me and I'm doing the moves, and eventually I beat him. So he was like, see, see, I knew you could beat me. You know, I, I don't I don't know why he was feeling so sad. Like all I do is I put the control in your hand and, and you started being great, because you're great. That's what you are. And I I held on to that. I was like, yeah, he's right. You know, like this is a greatness that I realized that I had, but due to the burnout, I didn't, I didn't really know how to describe it. I didn't know how to express it, but he did. And he knew how to bring it out of me. And I, I, I left from my mother's place, you know, on the bus ride. And I was like, okay, you know, I feel en- energized and this is something that I want to do. And and i i want to give back somehow how would i do it okay i'll I'll make a project that uh has gaming and comics and anime and other mediums and things like that and um yeah that's something that i definitely want to do now how would i do that and then that's when the bus ride happened and you know i almost lost my life from there and it, it it everything changed from that point um so I, I, I definitely got to give thanks to my nephew. I let him know every time that I see him, like, none of what I'm doing today would be possible if you didn't put that Wii controller in my hand.
0: Right. Wow. Yeah, I, I found that that family is definitely a big motivator. There were times where I was getting a little distraught with my career, uh, with the writing, with the tech, with the business in general and my little brother um william eugene he's he does all my video editing he does a lot of my stuff for you know for for my the artwork for my instagram and it's almost i know how much he looks up to me right and i don't think he realizes how much he motivates me to continue on days when i just don't feel like doing it he's Mm -hmm. like that guy yeah and I have my other brother, uh, Desan. You know, rest in peace. He passed away uh, last year. All oh, my condolences. It it, it 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 was the same thing with with him. Um, I didn't know how much of an impact that I had on him, but my sister and my aunt would contact and they said, "Man, every time you call your brother, when you get off the phone, that's all he talks about is what you're doing and how much you motivate him." And it's the same thing is there, there'll be days where I don't want to say I get depressed. or It's like, oh, I really don't feel like doing this today. Right. And then I think about those those people that look up to me like your nephew, like my both of my brothers. And it's like, you know what? I'm not just doing this for me. I'm not even just doing this for them. There's someone out there that probably looks up to me that I don't even know about. Mm-hmm. There are people that I've worked with in the tech field. There are people that know about my software company. There are people who see the artwork Alfredo's doing. And they're like, they contact me about, I wanna know more about the story of your characters. And you don't realize yep. that, that you're the light to someone. You may not know who they are. You may never personally know them, but whatever you're creatively doing is affecting someone in a positive way. Rather be yes. the artwork themselves, or it's the fact that they see you and they say, wow, if he could do that, I could do that also. And that person could be the next Stephen King, the, the next Michael Jordan, the next whoever, the R.L. Stein. They could be that that next that if they if you didn't have some part in their life or some part and in motivating influence in them, they may one day just be that great idea that be, that ends up in a grave one in a grave one day that never did anything throughout their life. So I, I definitely feel you on that. Um now, in, in your entire career, any one of the paths that you've taken, is there a common myth? Is it something that you get so sick of hearing? Because it's like, do you really know what I do? Is there anything in your profession or field that you would want to debunk of that's not the way it is?
1: The whole The whole mantra of... If you do the work, you'll get a job. That's dead, okay. And and I I don't mean I don't mean <laughs> I don't mean to say don't do the work. I mean, of course, you know, go on ahead and do the work, but don't don't let it be something that you're doing for other people per se. You have to make sure that it's something that you're doing for yourself. The whole the whole mantra of if you if you work for somebody. They're going to build you up. That's dead. You have a lot of people. They feel, oh well, you know, I got a Lamborghini, and if you work hard, and and you, you put in all that hours, I'll get an even better Lamborghini. <laughs> so, um, don't don't believe that. Like this is an ever changing world, and. Maybe back in the day that was true. You know, if you work hard and, and you um, come to work every day. I'm not saying don't come to work every day. I'm not saying that. But if you come to work every day and you work hard, then you'll you'll have a good job and you'll have good money and things like that. That's not the case anymore. Like the world has changed and some people have gotten more dynamic. Some people have gotten, unfortunately, a little corrupt. Um, and you you really you really need to focus on a way of securing yourself while at the same time if you have a client or or you're working for a boss you're able to satisfy them if if that makes any sense so what i'm saying is don't put all of your hours into working externally for someone else's success always make sure that you put time in regards to your own success because it's not their responsibility to make sure that you get up on top. One of the, one of the things that breaks my heart, like I'll, I'll hear on the news, they'll, they'll say something like, well, this janitor has been working in a, in McDonald's for 52 years. And, and he has been a janitor and they're, they're giving him an award for being best janitor. And I'm, in my head, I'm like, that is some of the most depressing things I have ever heard. He's been doing janitorial work for this fast food restaurant for over half a century. And what does he have to show for it? They still pay him the same. They still have him do janitorial work. They have no interest in regards to wondering what's in his brain. Like, what other things did he learn along the way? They don't care about any of that. So it is up to you to secure that. They're not going to do it for you. Don't for a second think that's going to be the case. Maybe if you have someone who is like a friend that like is the CEO or something like that, and they'll probably like squeeze you in. But even then, sometimes that's not even the case. You have to secure yourself like you're just an employee or you're just like a contractor or something like that. You, you have to secure yourself. You can make them smile. Yes. But at the same time, Make sure you get your work done and you pursue your passions and that never leaves you.
0: I I, I can totally agree on the work hard thing. I know a lot of people that work 60, 70, 80 hours a week for someone else. Working hard is just a very small part of success and growing in your career. It's almost a base if you don't at least work hard, you right. have no shot right. of making it. But that's like step one. You have to work hard. Step two is you. there, there has to be something where it's that when people see you in the hard work you're doing, there's something about you. Because you have it's everything is a competitive field. You have point person A, B, C, D, E and F. If all of you are doing the exact same work, if all of you are doing are working 60 hours a week, if every one of you are coming in at the same time, leaving at the same time, taking your break at the exact same time, what is it about you and your hard work that puts you a step above person, B, C, D, E, and F? That is the point that I try to explain to people. There has to be some type of X factor about yes. something yes, I agree. where you grab the attention of people that can help you move up. Because if you're just doing your job, that's all you're ever going to be doing is that yep. job. So I, I'm I a hundred percent, a hundred percent agree with that. So I kinda like to switch it up a little bit. So let's just say that you were the interviewer and I was the interviewee. Is there any question that you would have liked me to ask you that I did not? Or is there any question that you would have liked to ask me? Okay. So um, the question that I'd like to
1: ask you is uh, with everything that has happened, like all of the pressure, if it was to hit you all at once, right? (laughs) What did you do to make sure that you didn't crack under all of the pressure? Because, listen, like some people, they they, they get like shell shocked. You know, it, it becomes too much. Like, uh, what, what was it that you found for yourself? So that way you didn't crack, you know, you didn't falter, that sort of thing.
0: It's hmm. actually a good question. There's a lot of different uh, scenario and moments. One thing that I can say is one kind of commonality i like to tell people um i'm very what's the term ambitiously lazy uh what that mean by that is i work really 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 hard so that i can get something done in a very short amount of time so that i can be lazy again but there are times when that doesn't always work. There may be some situation that happens. And I, and because of my personality of that, you know, being lazy, when I get stuck in those hard places or those hard times, I usually can't depend on myself. I know that sounds terrible, but I always... It's almost like I look at the people that I know are looking up to me. Kind of goes back to my brothers. Um, I always want to, my whole thing in regards to being successful and what that means to me is I want the world to be slightly better off because I lived. So Mm -hmm. the reason that I'm doing everything that I've done, I've created the company. I work really hard as a tech. I'm starting this podcast, writing my books is I'm trying to create a legacy or give something to my son when I'm not here anymore. Right. Um, I know there are many people that I've mentored um, that look up to me. They still contact me, even if we're not working together. I have my brother who's always telling me he looks up to me and I look up to him, how hard he works. So, I feel in those times where I don't want to do it anymore or I I get borderline depression where it's like trying hard to get out of that, that hole, I literally start to rely on other people. And I start to think of why am I doing what I'm doing? <laughs> because if I'm doing it for myself, I know me, and that's not going to be enough to pull me out of the funk. Okay. I need to... So, for instance, for my brother, if I get stuck in that funk, I think to myself, my brother's depending on me. It's like we're right. in this business together. He's working hard because of me. If I quit, how is my brother going to look at me or my brother that passed away? And you know, if you believe in heaven and, you know, they go to a better place, I believe my brother, you know, is looking down on me. And it's like I don't want to let him down. I know he knows he sees all the potential in me. And if I stop or if I don't pull myself out of this hole, no matter how bad the situation is, and I've been in some pretty bad ones, I can't quit because no one sees me as a quitter. And I don't want anyone to ever start seeing me as a quitter. Right. I have my mother who's been gave me my first book when I was, you know, three, four years old when I was writing poetry since that time. And she took my work and had it published in the school play for 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 Christmas, when I was six years old, she's been telling me my entire life, you're great at tech, you're great, you know, working with all these big companies, but your gift is writing. So if I didn't, I don't pull myself out of that funk, it's like, am I letting my mom down who believes in me? Or am I letting my friends down? Or i am letting all the, the people in my network who have sacrificed so much to help me get to where I am? I almost feel that it's selfish if I stop because there's so many people that are looking up to me. And if I quit now, there may be that one person or that two, three, four thousands, millions of people around the world who need someone like a Jermaine Clark or a William Moore. And they look at that person and say, wow, man, I never considered that I could actually get that done, but because of those guys. I believe that I can do it because they say uh, there's a saying. I'm probably misquoting it, that uh, the place that has the most ideas of how to become very successful are in the graveyard, because there are a lot of people who have so many different ideas, and they never take the initiative to pull themselves mm-hmm. out of the funk, or to to basically take those steps to get anything done. There are so many incredible ideas that never see the light of day because people get in that funk and they don't know what their why is. And they've never tried to figure out what that why is, because if it's just financial monetary gain, you're never going to be motivated to get through hard times because if it's just the money, you can live without it. Mm -hmm. But if you have a reason of why you're doing it, your purpose, you'll find a way to get out of that funk. And in my case, my whys are all those people that I know are depending on me right. if I know them right. or I don't know them. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Now, one thing that I, I, I like to give everyone on my show, I know I've been kind of digging into to your life and to your past, but I, I also want to, to give you your, your moment to shine. So, so is there anything that you would like our listeners to know about you uh where they connect with you online what projects that you're kind of working on in the future uh just to kind of promote yourself and some of the things that you're working on
1: uh sure um as it stands right now uh the only thing that i'm doing hardcore 100 percent, is project azucar and you can learn more about that and me at my Instagram, and my Instagram is J A Clark Life. That is J A C L A R K E L I F E. And you can find me on Instagram. You can send me a message, follow me, and uh, you can chat with me, send me a message there, and see all the updates that I've been doing. What I'm currently doing right now is I am building up the social media for Project Azucar. I don't have all of the details just yet, but that's gonna be formulating soon. Follow me on my Instagram and I will definitely let everybody know once the updates has been finalized.
0: Awesome. And here's my final signature in the woods question that I ask everyone. The journey towards success is never 100% the happy path. So what was your darkest moment and your journey, and how did you cope and overcome it? I know you said there was the incident with the bus, but I'm not sure if that was the darkest moment in your life. But what was your darkest moment throughout your entire journey, from gaming, photography, the writing, and kind of what you were asking me, how did you overcome it and and and, um, and basically, how did you cope with it and overcome it? All right. Um... Well, this this happened when
1: I was nine years old. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in the hood, so I always had to fight. Uh, my mom, she had three kids, two sons and a daughter. And uh, I, you know, my, my brother was the tallest and I was the shortest. So everybody was always trying to pick on me and things like that. And then I would need my brother to uh, come and rescue me, come and rescue me, as they say. So... One day, the people who, you know, would mess with me, they, they found a, a wallet on the floor. And I saw it first, but I was like, you know, it's not mine. So I'm not going to pick it up, blah, blah, blah. And they picked it up. And for, for no reason whatsoever, they start pointing at me. Ah, you didn't, ah, you didn't pick it up. You should have picked it up. There was money inside. They said there was like $200. Apparently, I guess they wanted to split it but they couldn't decide who would get like the bigger share instead of saying, Hey, let's split it evenly. And then they started getting into a fight with each other. So as I'm sitting, I'm sitting in front of my, uh, my apartment building, watching all of this on my left side, I see fighting on my right side. I see the sun shining going across the street and I'm, I'm asking myself, okay, Jermaine, what do you want in life moving forward? Do you want this, which is on the left, and that's the fighting and the chaos and the destruction and all that other stuff, or do you want this, and that's where the sun is shining, and there's in in my perception uh prosperity and tranquility and peace, and I'm like looking to my left and then looking to my right and things like that. I'm like, I want to go with what's on the right and um that that led to. You know, like little things in my life that happened, uh, being in the hood. But focusing on my gaming, focusing on my writing and and my photography and studying and things like that, it kept me off of the streets. Um, There's been times for no reason whatsoever I've been shot at, you know, like having bullets whiz past me and the little sounds and things that they made and had to run from that. Um, I had I had cops discriminate against me for no reason um, you know, like I, I I basically I look like one of those type of people that's like a pushover. But like once you get in the ring with me, you find out oh boy, this this guy is anything but a pushover. You know, that sort of thing. Um, all of those dark moments led to this point where despite everything, I still have a passion to smile about it. I still have a passion to continue on. I still have a passion to keep going and I have people in my life. They're like, you know, I don't know how you survive all of this insane stuff, but you are an inspiration to me. And that makes me feel great because it's like I'm not the only one in this world that's going through the stuff that I have to go through. But at the same time, I look like a pushover, but I'm nothing like a pushover. And uh, a lot of people, they, they realize that as they get into the ring with me when it comes to like, Challenging me on things and uh, I got people that are inspired by the things that I put out um, I may go on a rant about whatever subject. I'm feeling passionate about at the time and uh the words that I use and the way that I give different perspectives. I'll even do like math equations to, to fuel my argument. And people is like, man, you know, like you, you're really about it. Like you're sharp as a tack about these things and you inspire me to be better. Um, so in, in my moments where I have my dark clouds and things like that, like I have people that come up and they, they give me like a shining rainbow at the end of it all. And, and that's what makes me continue going on. Much like yourself, like, you know, I want to do things for my family. I want to do things uh, for my nephew, for my daughter, for, for, you know, all of the people that uh, is pushing for me to be successful. And um, even, even people that I don't even know, like they probably look at this and they'll look at my project and all of the, the interviews and, and discussions I've had. And, you know, they'll, they'll say to themselves, you know, uh, Jermaine is nothing near perfect, but he, he keeps on striving to maintain his honor, his dignity, treat people with courtesy, professionalism and respect. And, and uh, I, I, I can respect that and I want to continue going on follow along the path that he is following along, you know, as, as, as people have made a path for him, uh, he has kept a path like that for me and just continue to pay it forward. That's, that's what I believe in. And, uh, yeah, like that's what got me through like the dark times.
0: Just to kind of piggyback on what you were saying about that, that story when you were nine years old, where you saw fighting on one side and the light on the other. This it kind of reminded me of this story that I read many, many years ago where there was um there were these two sons. Their father was you know gang, you know, in gangs, was doing drugs and he he was very aggressive. He was in and out of prison. And as those kids grew up, one of the kids became exactly like his father couldn't keep a serious relationship in and out of jail, drugs, the whole nine. And then you had the other brother who had a very successful home, very successful wife, kids, career, family, the whole nine. So they went and they spoke to this uh, this doctor and the doctor wanted to kind of speak to them and separately uh, about why they became the way they are today. So the 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 crazy part that the doctor found out was both of their answers were exactly the same but it was but they were both exactly correct so when he spoke to the one son who was in and out of prison was on drugs just like his father his response was well i mean that's how i i grew up uh you know what what other way was there for me to go so then when they asked the 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 brother who had the successful family, the career. They asked him, like, why did you become so successful? He was like, well, being raised in the environment that I was in, he was like, what are the options did I have? One of them felt that he could only be what he saw, and the other one decided, I want to be everything out of, outside of what I saw. So it, it's all based on that perspective and that decision. I'm not a a firm believer of you're a product of your environment. I believe your environment becomes a part of you. But what you do with your life is going to be based around the decisions that you make. The weak decision is that you can take whatever happens around you and you can make the excuse, well, what else could I do? I had to do that because that's all I saw. Or you could be strong and go against the grain and break that generational curse Mm -hmm. And be that guy who sees the light, who sees the, uh, you know, the sunshine and rainbows and the hope and the opportunity and say, I see that and I don't want to be that. Right. I want to I want to be the person that my daughter or my son can basically look up to and be like, you know what? He had it rough, just like, you know, I might not have as rough as he had it, but I see that he did not accept the way life was. And he moved on and became something positive, someone that I could look up to. Correct. From a positive perspective. Right. Yeah. So so I I definitely understand how you can you you have to use those dark moments to become who you are, but those dark moments should not become who you are. Right. <laughs> so in that, um I definitely would like to say thank you, uh, Jermaine Clark for being on the show. It's been many, many years. I it's, it's been a that, long uh, time. <laughs> it, 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 it all goes back to uh, Empire Acadia because I don't know if I've ever told you my story with Empire Acadia, but uh, I actually went to Chinatown Fair and I was uh, it was uh, Street Fighter Third Strike. Okay. And I didn't know any of you guys. I didn't know right. Yates. I didn't know Sanford Kelly. I didn't know Justin Wong. Mm-hmm. And Justin Wong was playing by himself on Street Fighter Third Strike. So I go in. I was like, you know what? Let me go play a video game. So I put in a quarter and Justin's looking at me like, who are like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So I put in the quarter and I, I started to play the game. That was the worst beast down that I have yeah. ever experienced in any <laughs> video game in my entire life. Yep. So what he did, so what he did was he knocked me up and he chip damaged me in the air until my health. I never hit the ground. Right. He literally knocked me in the air and he chip damaged me till I died. Right. And I was like, Oh wow. I just wasted a, I just wasted a quarter. Right. So at that time I was working with Sebastian cause we had created a, uh, an online magazine mm-hmm. and I was going there. I heard about uh, Chinatown fair, but I didn't know any of the people from Empire Acadia. Okay. So I was asking around about Empire Acadia and I ended up, I just happened <laughs> to pick the one game that world champion Justin Wong yep. happened to be happened to be playing. Yeah. <laughs> so they right. introduced me to uh they introduced me to the Triforce and we went and we had the um what is the the T with the little black balls in it? He he loved those. Oh um, um,
1: I, I, I don't remember, but I know what you're talking about. Like after yeah depending on who who played who or who got the beat down, we'd be like, all right, that's enough. We're gonna go to Woohop and we're gonna yep we're gonna we're gonna go get something to eat <laughs> so that's what we did yeah. and, and all the time we go get the tea
0: and we just start talking you know this and it's fight. like yep yeah so that's where he brought me and we talked and that's kind of how i got linked with empire k and ended up meeting you and you guys okay but like i said thank you for uh being on the show i just had to share that that kind of origin story of how i even met you and how i met right. the entire uh, empire acadia So I just wanted to say uh, thanks for joining me on this episode of In the Woods. Uh, Be sure to sign up for our email list at moreinthewoods.com. That's more, M-O-R-E, inthewoods.com, so that you don't miss out on our next episode. And you can follow me at William Moore, the author, on Instagram. I am James Woods, also known by many people as William Moore. Thank you for listening.